Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome in. Another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. And oh my God, do we have an episode to get to here. But before that... Sorry, we're kind of big time. We do have a sponsor now. That's right. We're, we're sponsored on this podcast. And in defense of the Big 12 is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It is that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page. Get in on the actual special offer from American betting experts. By the way, come on. You're listening. Join us in the comment section as well, because that was one crazy, crazy mm. Saturday. Oh, you tried to give it away about three different times, and it didn't look like Texas wanted to take it, Brad. Yeah, it didn't look like either team wanted to win that game on Saturday. I mean, it's an in- instant classic and maybe the best game in Red River shootout history, right? Only the second game in that rivalry's history to ever go beyond 60 minutes. That was the first multi-overtime game in the history of the Red River shootout. The most points combined – in the history of the Red River Shootout. I mean, if you had no rooting interest in this football game, it might be the game of the year in college football. But, man, you got two of the sloppiest teams in college football on Saturday. I mean, just turnovers and penalties and special teams mistakes from both sides. It was frustrating as hell if you're a fan of either of those teams. Obviously, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're happy. Uh, Get your season back on track. But more importantly, it's it's a win over Texas. And uh, if you're a Texas fan, man, I mean, a a chance for you to get your season back on track and and try to right the ship and turn things around in year four for Tom Herman. Uh, You feel like you were given plenty of chances, right? The football guy seemingly gave Texas every opportunity to win this game, yet the Longhorns couldn't find a way to get it done. So thriller, hell of a contest, and uh, the Sooners in four overtimes come out on top. Sitting around yesterday on Sunday, and my girlfriend, the AP poll comes out, and she's like, what? We're not ranked in the top 25. I surely thought we'd be ranked after the top 25 on that win. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, they won. But I don't think anybody watching that game came away all of a sudden saying, okay, like, OU's back. Like, the the previous two weeks, they played a clean football game. They're back. I I was just cracking up about how the game started. 
OU gets the ball first. They get like two penalties, I think both on their offensive line, right? Maybe, maybe a couple false starts there. They punt away to Texas, and then Keontae Ingram just fumbles it away. Uh, so it's just <laughs> the whole – had over 100 penalty yards. I think both teams had 10 penalties on the day. You mentioned the special teams mistakes. Both of them missed field goals in the third overtime. It wasn't – I mean, I don't think we can ever say that this is the best game in rivalry history, but the craziest game in rivalry history, I, I don't think that craziest, wackiest, however you want to say it, I don't know if we ever see something that tops that <laughs> four overtime game. Yeah, that's probably a better way to describe it. And I don't think the better team won on Saturday. I just think the less bad team won on Saturday, <laughs> right? I mean, neither of those teams. Hell, there were times I was watching that game and I'm like, dude, are these just the two worst teams in Power 5 right now? Like, what the hell is going on uh, but Oklahoma found a way to get it done. Yeah, it was ugly. It was sloppy. Maybe the first two drives were kind of a microcosm and uh, was some foreshadowing, I guess, of uh, what we should have expected the rest of the way. I mean, hell, Oklahoma had to bench its starting quarterback wow, dude. in that game, oh. uh, and they still found a way to win it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think either fan base, obviously not Texas because they came up short, but I don't even think Oklahoma fans are, are feeling a whole lot better about their team after what they saw on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I could not believe that, man. I, I, I could not believe that. And Tanner Mordecai came in, and he was okay. Yeah. He was starting to make plays, so I'm like, all right, Tanner Mordecai, here we go. And then he has that terrible fumble where it's a drive killer and he has to fall on it. And the sentiment at halftime was, look, if OU wants to win this, win this game, it can't do it with Tanner Mordecai. It's going to have to figure out a way to do it with Spencer Rattler. And Rattler came up with some massive throws in overtime and in the second half, so – for as bad as Lincoln Riley was in the fourth quarter, and my God, was Lincoln Riley bad in the fourth quarter, that move right there might have won him the football game. I mean, seriously, it, it, it might have won it because it settled Spencer Rattler down. Yeah. And said, Look, dude, you just can't keep making dumb mistakes and still be the quarterback. It was a brilliant move for – I still don't know what the hell Lincoln was doing in the fourth quarter. I mean – I the, the jet sweeps, throwing it, and I know if Stogner just makes that catch, it's a first down and the game's over with. But, dude, the, the one huge problem I had with Lincoln is OU delivers a freaking back-breaking drive. It's the best drive that they've had all year long. One of the best drives they've had in, I don't know, I, I mean, maybe even going back to last year. They have an eight-minute drive that lasts 17 plays in the third quarter. It's freaking hot at the Cotton Bowl, by the way, dude. It was – it was steaming. Yeah. Tech defense is out there for, I don't know, 20 minutes of real time, however long it was. They forced Texas a three and out after that drive. Then Lincoln Riley throws it three times after that. It's like, dude, what do you do? He just – he cannot help himself. He's got that tech DNA. He's got those tech roots. And he just can't help himself when it's time to salt a game away, man. Yeah. No, I mean, what was it? The, the second to last drive for Oklahoma in regulation. I think he tried to run it a couple of times and Texas did a good job shutting down pleasure. And there was a screen pass to Theo Weiss, I think, that didn't work. So I guess Lincoln Riley, the next time Oklahoma got the ball was like, man, I'm not I'm not running this again. I'm not trying this again. I'm going to throw the football and see if we can end the game with that. And that didn't work either. So I'll give Texas's defense for stepping up and making some plays and Look, Tyler, if you would have told me before the game started that the Longhorns could hold Oklahoma to 31 points and force three takeaways, I would have yeah. told you Texas wins that game. And they probably win it by multiple scores. So yeah. the defense did its job. They bowed up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you can criticize Lincoln Riley's play calling. I'm not letting them off the hook, and I'm sure Oklahoma fans aren't either. But I will give the Longhorn defense some credit for uh, stepping up and making some plays when they needed to down the stretch. 
But yeah, I mean, I thought that game was over right after Sam Ellinger's interception with just over five minutes to go in the end zone. OU was up by a couple of scores. The way they had been controlling the time of possession in that second half, the way they had been running the football, you figured that game was done. But Oklahoma couldn't pick up first downs, and you know the Texas offense finally got things going. I mean, it's three weeks in a row. I know, I know you had to fumble at the goal line last week against TCU, but yeah. I mean that's three weeks in a row when Texas has needed a drive or multiple drives to score points down the stretch. They've pretty much been able to get it done. The most frustrating thing for Texas fans is. Well, why does it take until you're down by multiple scores with five minutes to go before you figure it out, right? Texas Tech down by 15 with three minutes to go before the offense finally kicks it in gear. Obviously, Oklahoma on Saturday down by 14 with just under five minutes to go. You're like, well, why why does it have to take this long to figure it out? So, yeah, frustrating, no doubt about it. And uh, like, like we said at the start of this podcast, it, it felt like neither team wanted it. And Oklahoma couldn't make the plays in the fourth quarter to put it away. Texas got the opportunities, and they took advantage. I thought OU's defensive line played great on Saturday. By far away, the best game that they played. But I also came away, like, super disappointed with the entire Texas offense, their entire offensive line. I don't think their running backs played well. And another thing that has to be frustrating for Texas fans is the fact that, man, every Texas fan watched OU Iowa State the week prior. And how did Iowa State hit on big plays? Well, they got their six foot four, six foot five tight end on some of OU's smaller DBs, and they just threw the ball up and let him go make a play. That's why I thought Brennan Eagles was going to have a massive day on Saturday. I did. But I don't remember Texas hitting on one deep throw down the field. You no, know? And, no. and Texas has been so good at that in the past against OU, but I honestly don't think they hit on – I mean, they hit like a long third down pass to Tariq Black. I mean, he was kind of wide open. But in yeah. terms of just a one-on-one go ball, I don't think they hit on one all day long. No, that's a good point. And on paper, right, that was an obvious matchup advantage for Texas. The size of their wide receivers going up against the size of the Oklahoma defensive backs. I remember seeing a graphic watching the OU-Iowa State game like, oh, every o- or every Iowa State wide receiver is 6'4 taller and every OU-DB is less than six feet. That was the same case for Texas, and I heard you guys and I heard a bunch of folks up in Norman talking about that, like, oh, boy, a bunch of big receivers on the other team again. How are we going to defend this? The problem is with Brennan Eagles and a lot of these Texas wide receivers, they're not physical. Like, they should be. They're much bigger than all the DBs they go up against, but they get steered off their routes so easily against even smaller players. It makes absolutely no sense. It's like a waste of a body. It's a waste of a frame for some of those dudes because they don't use it to their advantage. And I'll credit Oklahoma defensively. I mean, they did that last year against Texas, and and it worked pretty well. Bumping and running, right? Jamming the Texas receivers at the line of scrimmage because that's the biggest weakness for Texas. They don't have Devin Duvernay. They don't have Colin Johnson, guys who are willing, willing to be physical at the line of scrimmage and who could win off the line of scrimmage. None of the outside wide receivers for Texas have shown the consistent ability to do that. Alex Grinch dialed up a good game plan, and – the much maligned OU secondary stepped up and they were physical and they made some plays. Yeah. Uh, by the way, honest to God, like I had to do a post game show as soon as the game is over. Okay. So I was at the game. So I'm always a spaz about leaving at a certain time, getting there. I left when it was 31 17. No, so I, got, I left when it was 31 17. Oh, like, well, hold on. We're walking out in the fair when it's 31 17. Texas scores and then they force OU to punt. And I say, we got to go back in. I had not left the fair entirely just yet. So I thought like I, I, they made you enter at a certain gate this year. Everything was so weird, dude, at the fair. It was, it was really, really strange. 
but my gate was on the opposite side of the cotton bowl and you don't normally have the walking lanes that you're used to. Normally you can walk right behind the end zone and get there quick. There's, a, there's only one way that you can walk around the cotton bowl. It's a long way this year. Okay. Long story, I know, but mm. I was able to get back in the game and I saw Texas score the game tying touchdown and we watched all four overtimes, but I, I do. I mean, I left 31, 17. OU defense is dominated all day long. Forced three turnovers. Forget it, man. It's over. I left. Yeah. I thought they it was over too. in there. Man, I thought it was over, too. And thankfully, they allow for re-entry at the Cotton Bowl. That's one of the benefits of those games because that's happened in years past, right? I mean, I remember in 2018, Texas goes up by three touchdowns early in the fourth quarter. You've got some Oklahoma fans leaving, thinking the game is over. And then as Kyler Murray orchestrates the comeback, you see a bunch of crimson and cream piling back into the stand. So thankfully, they allow for that. And uh, man, yeah, you... Thankfully, for your sake, right, you were able to uh, to witness that craziness. So what is the post game? Do you have to leave the fairgrounds to do the post game? So this is what I did. I have like a battery pack with a tie line. This is like inside radio nerd stuff. I have a battery pack hooked in the timeline, and I did it from the front seat of the car driving wow. back to the hotel the first segment. And like there were so few people there. We left so quick right as soon as the game was over. It took us – and if you've ever been to OU Texas before, like it's unbelievable. Normally it takes you an hour to get wherever you're staying with all yeah. the traffic. No, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, it's an hour. Yeah. Took us 10 minutes to get from the cotton bowl to the Omni downtown. I I mean, I, I only had to do one segment from the car. It was unbelievable, but yeah, dude, it was, it, it, it was, it was weird just because, I mean, I've been, a, that was my third game with limited fans in and the first two kind of whatever, but honestly, like when a big play happened, like the, the applause sounded like you're at a baseball game. Like mm. I've never been to Dishfalk Field or anything before, but that's probably the best thing that Texas fans can describe it as. Like you make a big play and everybody's cheering loud, but you can tell like not a whole lot of people are there. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's how weird. weird. I mean, you've given us some great stories, and uh, I, I think this is fascinating, right? Because I've talked to some folks who were at the game, but I haven't gotten enough perspective for what the Cotton Bowl was like. So it was a it was an obvious, noticeable difference. I mean, it sounded that way on TV, and obviously the crowd shots, you could tell it wasn't even close to – Well, and, and, and that's what was weird about it. It's like they would show the replay on the Jumbotron, and Sam Ellinger's rolling out, and behind him, all you see is metal bleachers. <laughs> yeah. metal bleachers and it's just like, God, that just looks so strange, you know? Yeah. But it was – I mean, it was, it was still a cool environment, a great football game, all that. But that loss has landed Tom Herman squarely on the hot seat now, man. Mm. You know, I talked about it. We had a little day. As, uh, there we go. I think the internet's working now. I'm at my sister's place doing some dog sitting, so we might have some different Wi-Fi issues today. But uh, no, we, we, we talked about it here in Austin leading up to the game. Like, if not now, when? That was sort of the mindset going into the season, right? If not now, when is Texas going to win the Big 12? You've got a senior quarterback who's one of your best quarterbacks in recent school history, You've got a very, very experienced roster, loads of talent, right? I mean, Texas is still recruiting amongst the best teams in college football, despite the win-loss struggles over the last decade. Year four for a head coach, you've got a new coaching staff, so you feel like, all right, now finally we've got the right coaches in place to win this league. And also, this league is not very good this year. I mean, Oklahoma, of course, the team that's won the Big 12 five years in a row, they're down. We thought that way going into the season, and it was obvious after a couple of weeks of conference play, them starting 0-2, and just it feels like there's a vacuum in this conference this year. So that was one part of the conversation, right? Okay, if not now, win for winning the Big 12. And it was also, if not now, win for beating Oklahoma. 
right? I think it's obvious Oklahoma's in the middle of a reload right now. I'm not going to call it a rebuild because they they never have to rebuild or they haven't had to at least since Bob Stoops took over. But it's clear they're in the middle of a reload, right? Young quarterback, uh, a ton of turnover on the roster, opt-outs, injury suspensions. Like this was the most beatable Oklahoma team that the Longhorns have seen in a long, long time, and they couldn't get it done. So we were having those questions going in, if not now, when – and it didn't happen. So Tom Herman, after the TCU game, there were already uh, some questions. There were already a lot of folks who were kind of closing the book on him. And this was a huge game for Tom Herman to try to get things back on track and try to win over this fan base a little bit. And he couldn't get it done. Yeah, I wonder if Saturday was like the worst possible result for him because OU tried to give you the game multiple times and Texas still didn't win. OU was without Ronnie Perkins, its best defensive player. OU was without its best running back in Seth McGowan. Like, there's all these yeah. things that seemingly put more pressure on Texas to win the game, and Tom Herman just didn't get it done. I mean, in a game where Lincoln Riley was – I mean, there's no other way to say it. He was not good in the fourth quarter. He had, like, five to six really bad calls in that game. And the fact that Tom Herman, with a senior quarterback, took, couldn't take advantage of it – yeah, I mean, I, I could just tell that a lot of people were upset with him last week. I can't imagine what it's going to be like this week, man. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm i sure every Texas fan is in their corner saying it, it's it's done and it can't be fixed. No, Sorry. there's there's all sorts of conversation being had behind the scenes, and a lot of it I can't disclose. But one thing that I feel comfortable disclosing, and I'll give credit to Orange Bloods, uh, Anwar Richardson of OrangeBloods.com for reporting this, apparently Texas donors, right? Texas is renovating its south end zone right now. Uh, the Longhorns have already lost $25 million in promised donations because of the last couple of weeks. And I assume a lot of that has to do with what happened on Saturday. So, look, you're right about Lincoln Riley. He did not coach a great fourth quarter, but we all knew this going in, and it was reaffirmed on Saturday. He's a better coach than Tom Herman. I don't think it's even close. And I think Texas, talent-wise and experience-wise, has a much better roster right now than Oklahoma does and the fact that they lost that football game, I think, is a direct reflection on the difference in coaching that we have right now. Oklahoma's got some talent, obviously. I mean, they recruit really well, too. But with the injuries and the opt-outs and the suspensions and the fact that they had to bench their starting quarterback in this game, the fact that Texas still couldn't win, I think, is a direct reflection on Tom Herman and this coaching staff here at Texas. So the conversation of Tom Herman really changes now, I think, in terms of how likely he is to be fired at the end of the year because – Again, it's a it's a normal year. What's this buyout? Twenty million, I think, right right around there. Twenty million, yeah, slightly but, upwards. So, in a year like this, maybe you're not willing to pay twenty million dollars. But in in donations, if that might cost Texas twenty five million dollars, you, you don't you don't mess with the money, man. You you know how it is. You don't mess with the money. Right. And no. if you're losing money over Tom Herman being the head coach, that's the biggest factor into him being gone at the end of the season, I think. Yeah, money's not much of an issue at the University of Texas, and it would obviously be a really, really bad look if UT were to make a move after the season. It's not going to happen midseason, by the way, but after the season, if it does happen, I mean, the fact that the university has had to lay off employees, furlough employees, other employees have had to take pay cuts, and hell, forget just the university, right? I mean, look at the uh, economic situation around the entire country right now. Uh, yeah. It would be a really, really bad look to pay somebody 20 plus million dollars to not coach. And oh, by the way, you'd have to pay assistant buyouts. And oh, by the way, you'd have to pay the new guy you bring in probably upwards of $30 million. So it's way more than a $20 million change that would need to be made if something happens to Tom Herman after the conclusion of this season. But 
man, it's Texas. Money's always there. And as bad as, as bad a shape economically as this country's in, you know, a, a lot of rich folk are doing fine these days and their pockets are still okay. And a lot of the big money boosters at the University of Texas still are capable of uh, opening the pocketbook and forking over the money if it helps the football team and if it helps the university. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. I don't think this thing is done, right? Like when Charlie Strong lost to Kansas year three, it was done. Everybody knew it was over. You didn't need official confirmation from the university. We're not there yet, but man, unless Tom Herman can run the table or maybe finish the year seven and three, it feels like there's a lot better chance than I thought going into the year. And hell, I thought going into the weekend that uh, there is change made at UT. We'll get to some of the other games this weekend and a game that's not happening this weekend, unfortunately, oh. in Vigo. Uh, but go check out LandryFootball.com. In the meantime, if you're a big Texas fan and want to know the latest on what's going on with the Horns, LandryFootball.com is your place to go. I also want to check out LandryFootball.com to see if the Dallas Cowboys have any chance of winning the division. Oh, now. What a weekend, dude. I, t- I tweeted this out yesterday. Like, you think you can hurt me? This is the anybody <laughs> out there. You think you're capable of hurting me? I root for the Texas Longhorns and the Dallas Cowboys, dude. I, I you can't hurt me any more than those teams hurt me every Saturday and Sunday. And I tweeted that out before the DAC injury, too. That was when the Cowboys were down 17-3 to to the Giants. And I'm like, dude, I mean, like, come on. And then that happens. It's like, what a weekend. What a weekend that uh, I dealt with. 2020, what a year, man. Would you take Chris Landry as the next head coach at Texas? Uh, man, over Tom Herman, I might. <laughs> I might. I'm taking a 20. You got to stall. I got to let the dog out real quick. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. All right. uh, let's get to some comments here. Spartan Barton, I see you, man. Spartan Barton asked if uh, Tom Herman was fired. Tom Herman was not fired, Spart- Spartan Barton. But after losing back-to-back games and his only win in conference being a called a fluke win over Texas Tech, it kind of seems inevitable that if he doesn't maybe even run the table at the end of the year, that that guy is going to be fired because Pratt will tell you, a lot of big money people are upset right now with the direction Tom Herman has taken them. And, and, and here's another thing too. Once, once a coach, like once a coach gets into a situation where the fans don't believe it's going to be turned around, it's really hard to change that. You know, like I, I don't remember very many coaches being in that spot where the entire fan base is like, yeah, this just isn't working out. And then he completely turns it around and it turns out for, I mean, you just, once you're in that spot, you're just you're just kind of there, and, and I don't think that there's any opportunities left on the schedule. I know Iowa State looks good this year. I know Oklahoma State looks good this year. I know Kansas State looks good this year. But there's no other rivalry game, no other big signature win. I don't think that Tom Herman can have this year, unless Oklahoma State's in the top five or something, to where people are really going to change their mind about how good of a head coach he is. Yeah, I really think the only thing that can salvage Tom Herman's rep is if they find their way to Arlington at the end of the year. And you probably have to win out. Hell, you definitely have to win out, and you're going to need some help to get there. So that might be enough. If Texas could somehow find their way to the Big 12 championship game, that might be enough to save this thing. But I don't know how the hell you can pick Texas to – run the table the rest of the way. I mean, you could argue they're 0-3. They should be 0-3 in the conference this year, right? They needed a miracle in Lubbock to beat Texas Tech down by 15 in the final three minutes. Uh, And then obviously you lose to TCU, you lose to Oklahoma. So I'm with you. I mean, that this conference is not very good. So no win is going to feel that impressive. You lose to your one rival that you have. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, this thing feels like it's pretty much done. A few more things on this game. And I, I promise we'll move on to the other conference games. Um, Sam Ellinger's legacy. 
What does it look like now that he's one and four against OU? Man, yeah, you know, it's it, it's funny. Like, it, it feels like he hasn't played that bad against Oklahoma. Now, he was out of rhythm for three and a half quarters, especially the third quarter and the start of the fourth, right? I mean, the Texas offense had nothing going. Uh, coming into that game, Sam Ellinger was one and three, of course, against Oklahoma. 14 touchdowns to one interception against OU. So it's like, ah, you know, how bad has he really played? Now, I know if you're a quarterback, whether it's fair or not, your legacy is determined by wins and losses. And in college football, it's amplified by wins and losses against your rival. But, man, it, it feels like and there's a lot large portion of this fan base that's like, dude, he he busted. I mean, he gives it his all every single Saturday. And it's just the guys around him who, uh, who don't do enough to help this team win football games. But it's a fair question, Tyler. And, and I think Sam Ellinger knows it better than anybody, right? Quarterbacks' legacies are defined by wins and they're defined by championships. And Sam Ellinger's one and four against Oklahoma, barring a somehow, some way, these two teams meet again in December. That's how he's going to finish at UT. And barring a crazy miracle for Texas the rest of the way, he's going to have no conference championships to his ledger. So I think most Texas fans will always love him. But uh, in terms of like the national perspective, you know, it's, it's hard to throw him in with the all-time greats at the University of Texas, even though he's going to set a ton of school records. He already has set a ton of school records and he'll set more over the course of the rest of the year uh, unless he comes back for year five, which I don't know why he would. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, his legacy definitely took a hit on Saturday. And if they don't win the Big 12, it, uh, it won't get to where it probably should have gotten. I don't think any Oklahoma fan is ignoring the problems and the issues that this football team still has. But the hope, at least for me, is that this is a significant moment in the season and their backs were against the wall several times, whatever. They almost blew the lead. But they finally got a win. They got a win against their biggest rival. So is this their opportunity to turn around the season for the better? You know what I mean? Are, are they start about to start playing better football, especially after this bye week? And if they go down to Fort Worth in two weeks and beat TCU, then you really start to look at the schedule and say, okay, can beat Kansas at home, can beat Oklahoma State at home. I mean, sure. Oklahoma State plays small in that game seemingly every single year. All you got to do is go to West Virginia. All you got to do is go to Texas Tech, and all you have to do is beat Baylor at home, <laughs> and you finish the season at 8-2. and two. So I, oh, man. this is one of those ridiculous Oklahoma years where they face adversity early on, they get a big win, and it turns around for the rest of the year. That'd be something, right? A lot of folks close the book. Hell, a lot of people close the book on OU after the Kansas State loss, and then they go 0-2 after losing at Ames, and everyone felt like this thing was done. But I don't think you can ever count Oklahoma out of the Big 12 race. Until they're mathematically eliminated, they're uh, they're going to have a shot to get it done. And, yeah, you start to look forward to the rest of the schedule, and, and this conference is still wide open, right? Nobody's unbeatable in this league, as yeah. you just mentioned. And Oklahoma State, it feels like they're the best team in this conference right now. They, of course, did not play on Saturday, but – Still feels like they're probably the best team in this league. I don't think they're unbeatable. And you brought up Bedlam. I mean, Oklahoma always has OSU's number, regardless of where that game is played. So, yeah, don't count out the Sooners, man. I mean, it's crazy. You know they're going to play in some tough and tight games the rest of the way. So can they do what they did against Texas, at least in overtimes, and make enough big plays to win, which is unlike what they did the two previous weeks. Uh, But uh, I guess Oklahoma still has a shot, man, believe it or not. Spartan Barton, you're exactly right. LandryFootball.com, you're not a football fan if you don't subscribe. I could – I mean, that's – I mean, you just said it right there. Spartan oh, Barton, if you're looking for like some media or marketing work, there you go. Just, just <laughs> type that in the comments every single day right there. Uh, he, he also asked, why is it Oklahoma State in the top ten? They are. They are in the top ten, in the AP top ten this week. So, But they're, they're not playing. They're not playing this week. Uh, they're going to go like three weeks without playing a football Dude. game. 
I wonder how much that affects him. Baylor still got COVID issues going on. I was so jacked for OSU at Baylor, 6.30 at ABC on Saturday night. Um, that was going to go right along with Alabama and Georgia at 7 o'clock. That, that sucks because I think that that was a game that Baylor could have won. On, on Saturday, but they're moving it back to what, December 12th? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't think Baylor could have won that football game. Yep, I really yep. don't. I mean, their offense looks horrible, and Oklahoma State's, Oklahoma State's defense looks awesome. Now, Baylor's probably – well, I want to say they're the toughest team Oklahoma State has played this year, but West Virginia beat Baylor. So I guess you say West Virginia is a little bit better than Baylor right now. But No, no, no respect to Tulsa, huh? Yeah, I guess I, hey, they've got the most impressive win out of anybody right now going to UCF. That might be the best win in the country in college football. They may have they play Cincinnati, eighth ranked Cincinnati. There you go. On Saturday. They may have two of them. But huge bummer, man. And it's Baylor being Baylor again. Can we just <laughs> let, can we get rid of them? Like, do they need to be in this conference anymore? I mean, come on. With all that they've put the rest of the league through over the last decade. And this is clearly just like the malfunction. On their part, right? This is clearly them screwing things up again, not being able to handle COVID. And it's like it's it almost becomes a question like, all right, at what point do you start to punish a program for not being able to figure it out? I mean, seriously, because you're impacting everybody else across this league. You're impacting schedules for other teams when you can't handle your COVID stuff. So like, okay, one time that's fine. But like, what is this, the fourth time for Baylor? Like their fourth game that's had to be – and I think one of them was Louisiana Tech's fault, I guess. So I, I can't put Houston, that on Baylor. Baylor's fault for Houston, though. That's why they didn't get to Baylor. Yeah, it's like at, at what point, and maybe it's not right now, but like if this is something that goes – again, I mean, Texas plays Baylor next Saturday. So that's Baylor's next scheduled game now that this one's been postponed. Like if that game has to get pushed back, I mean, at, at what point do you just penalize Baylor and say, sorry about that? So they're moving this back to December 12th. Does that mean for sure that the Big 12 championship is December 19th now? I don't think so. I mean, unless one of those teams has a shot to get there, you're seeing a lot of other conferences who are going to have all their teams play on conference championships. Right. I mean, you'd admit that Oklahoma State's chance to reach the conference championship is yeah. really cool right Yes, now. you're probably right. So, yeah, if Oklahoma State, right, if they need that win uh, to get to get to Arlington, then I guess, yeah. That, that's but if they've, already locked up, if they've already locked up a spot, then do you think that they would just not play that game? That's interesting. Um yeah, you know, unless ah, – because bowl implications can't be there, right? Because every team's going to be eligible for a bowl game this year, thinking in terms of Baylor. Uh, man, I, I think there is a chance that they would cancel that game. Whether it's fair or not, I think uh, I think there's a shot that they would do it and just play the Big 12 championship game on December 12th. It's a good point. <laughs> Six days before Christmas, we're playing a Big 12 championship game. That would be – that'd be wild, dude. It'd be kind of awesome, to be honest with you, but it would be kind of wild at the same time. So, yeah, no Oklahoma State and Baylor. One conference game this weekend. Uh, and it's Kansas-West Virginia, dude. That's all we got this weekend. And spoiler alert, West Virginia is going to destroy Baylor. Kind of, or West Virginia is going to destroy Kansas like everybody else. Yeah, so. yeah they're they're 22-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm not sure that's enough. Kansas is really, really bad. Their coach has COVID. And Georgia this Saturday. That's all yeah. I see. Exactly. Exactly. That's the game to watch this Saturday. But yeah, now you, you know, Les Miles has COVID down for Kansas, so uh, that that might make them better at this point. Who knows? I mean, that, that they're terrible. They are so so bad. And yeah, it's a shame. Only one Big Twelve game uh, this week to talk about. But two other good games on Saturday. Yeah, I'm man. Go. I mean, how about K State with the backup? I, I didn't. Think, I didn't think that they were going to win that oh. game. I really. I, I thought TCU is. 
well, they they just hit their stride. Max Duggins looks so good the past two weeks. I think defensively they're okay. I thought that they would beat Kansas State by about 14 points. And, dude, I'm starting to think Kansas State's defense is pretty legit. Yeah, feels that way. I'm starting to think Kansas State itself is pretty legit. I mean, it's ridiculous what they've been able to do thus far in conference play, right? I mean, after the embarrassing loss to Arkansas State, everyone closed the book on them. Hell, I, I closed the book on them before the Arkansas State game, right? Yeah, like, man, they got five new offensive linemen, a ton of turnover. I know Skylar Thompson's a senior, but they lost so much from last year's team. And I think they overachieved last year as well. So, I did not have high expectations. I didn't really have any expectations for K-State going into year two for Chris Kleiman, but man, give him some credit. He's done a phenomenal job, and what he's been able to do after that week one loss is uh, is pretty damn remarkable. I mean, they've got wins at OU and at TCU. Uh, that's two of the tougher teams in this league, and they've beaten them on the road. So yeah, K-State has a legit shot to uh, to make some noise down the stretch here in conference play. Spartan Martin says Big Ten starts this Saturday, don't they? No, they start the 24th. So they will start uh, a week from this Saturday. And mm-hmm. uh, Michigan, at, I cannot wait. One thing you don't know about me is I despise University of Michigan football. Just really? Like, yeah, I mean, for no other reason than everybody calls them a blue blood and everybody still calls them elite, yet they haven't won an outright conference or outright national title since like the 40s. And everybody still thinks that they're elite. The, the yeah. only they've won in recent memory, they split with Nebraska in 97. Michigan's the most overhyped and overrated program of all time. And I can't wait to see them lose week one at Minnesota. It's going to be great. Oh, I, love it. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize. So you got like family members who went to Ohio State no, or anything I, like that? No, nothing. It's just annoying to me that Michigan's like, oh, proud Michigan. They're a blue blood. I'm like, no, they've been crap for 75 years, but outside of 1997, but nobody wants to admit that. And they've yeah. got run by their biggest rival for the past 20 years. Like, get yeah, out of that. Right. I mean, what one win in the last 15 or 16 tries against Ohio state, that one, uh, that one hurts. And for most of our lifetime, they've been pretty bad. They've at least underachieved, right? I mean, they've been relevant some years, but man, they've underachieved. That's been the whole Jim Harbaugh era. And that was a lot of Lloyd Carr and obviously Brady Hoke in between there. So yeah, that's uh, I'm curious. I mean, they lost so much this year. Like they're one of those teams that'd be better off not playing in 2020. Cause they just lost. like last year was supposed to be their year where they really competed a uh, ton of experience, senior quarterback with Shea Patterson and they weren't even close. They couldn't get it done. They haven't even won their division since Jim Harbaugh took over. So, yeah. not great, Bob. Yeah, not great at all. Um, yeah, but Kansas State, they're playing Dude. really good football right now. They're going to have to maybe lose at least two games within conference to not make the Big 12 championship game. And the likelihood of that is going down and down by the day. I And I thought before the year, I thought – and I know that Texas has really struggled in Manhattan, Kansas prior. They've only won once since 2002, I think. Texas has up in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, Last time they were up there. Kansas State gets Texas at a perfect spot. December 5th, when it's going to be about 15 degrees with a negative five-degree wind chill, Texas may be totally checked out of the season by that time. The more I look at it, the more I think that, damn, Kansas State might really make the Big 12 championship game. Maybe the cold weather will help Texas because they can't play in warm weather. So maybe that's what they need to turn things around. But no, you're right. I mean, the next two games for K-State, they've got to buy this week, but then they've got Kansas and West Virginia. So you feel like you'll, you'll they'll win both of those games. And then it's a tough two-week two weeks stretch. They got Oklahoma State. That game's in Manhattan. Then they go to Ames to take on Iowa State. If they just win one of those games, you feel like they're getting to Arlington. 
they win yeah. both, obviously you can sharpie them in. If they can win one of those games at home versus OSU or at Iowa State, then uh, they're very likely going to find their way to the Big 12 championship against all odds. And, man, I mean, what do we say about Chris Kleiman? Like, do we already have to – like, where do we rank him right now in terms of Big 12 coaches? Like, I'm not putting him ahead of Lincoln Riley yet. And, I mean, Gary Patterson, obviously, he has a much bigger body of work with what he's yep. done at TCU. And, obviously, Mike Gundy's done some good things at Oklahoma State. But, man, I mean, in terms of coaching jobs this year, uh, I feel like you can't not put Chris Kleiman number one. And then, God, you got to you, you feel like he's already in the top half of coaches in this conference with what he's been oh, able I mean, to do. I'm willing, I'm willing to put him in the top three with the roster that he took over, the immediate success that he's had. He's beaten Oklahoma. He's 2-0 and against Oklahoma. Yeah. How about that? 2-0 against Oklahoma. And good for Kansas State for locking him up with that contract extension. Great move. Good on them. That, that, was, that was a really good move for them because Bill Snyder, as many great things as he, he did in Manhattan – that program really, really slipped those final years, and he's taken it back to kind of where it was when Bill Snyder had it rolling a little bit. So Kansas State is going to – Kansas State will win a Big 12 championship under Chris Kleiman. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, I mean, think about the first wait time. He, wait till he gets his players and, and wait till he gets a quarterback. He's had Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. I mean, he's going to get a quarterback to, to Manhattan. Yeah, Easton Stick up there, too, at North Dakota State. I think he's uh, still in the league somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, look, the last time Bill Snyder retired, or the first time Bill Snyder retired, you bring in Ron Prince, and you think uh, everything's okay, and Bill Snyder left this place in good hands, and Prince was terrible, and he's gone after a couple of years. So, very tall task to replace a legend. It always is, right? And the old adage is, you don't want to be the guy who replaces the legend, right? You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the legend. Uh, so far, hasn't faced Chris Kleiman at all. He has been phenomenal, and you're right. I mean, the last few years, the Bill Snyder era wasn't great at K-State. It was clear he wasn't the same coach, and the program wasn't the same way as it was for so long under his tutelage. Uh, the fact that Kleiman has been able to turn it around, I mean, snap of a finger overnight, pretty damn ridiculous. He's done phenomenal work up there, and I agree with you. Great on KSU to, to lock down Kleiman through 2026. I mean, you know other schools are going to come calling if he keeps doing this thing. So even if he does leave, uh, K-State's going to be uh, – they're going to be okay. They're going to be fortunate because of uh, the contract that they gave Chris Kleiman. AJ asked, TCU quarterback play was very bad or good K-State defense? I think that there's a combination of both. There was a fourth down in the fourth quarter – that, boy, Max Duggan didn't throw a good ball. He had the wrong read on, and Gary Patterson was kind of beside himself on the sideline. So I think it's a little, it's a combination of both. I, I do think Max Duggan has played extremely well this year. He's definitely grown from last year, but he didn't have his best game. But, yeah. again, that that's because Kansas State's defense, I thought, played really well. And yeah, give K-State credit. I mean, he, he did look like freshman Max Duggan, though. And, hell, I mean, they – Maybe the jury's still out on Max Duggan, right? He's played his two best games of his collegiate career against Texas. His best game as a freshman last year was against Texas. And obviously his best game, he's only played two full games this year, but his best game this year was against Texas. So maybe he just loves going up against the Longhorns and Texas isn't that good. So maybe the jury's still out a little bit on Max Duggan. I know he played really well in the second half against Iowa State in TCU's uh, home opener a couple of weeks ago, help season opener a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, he uh, he looked like freshman Max Duggan a little bit. And credit K State, though. I mean, you got to give them some love. They played really, really well defensively, and uh, they've got things rolling on both sides of the ball. They they really do. I mean, it's you know the offense isn't the most high powered in the world. Obviously, they didn't have their quarterback on Saturday. Uh, did Deuce Vaughn even play on Saturday? 
Did he not really? Oh no! I th- well, I'm looking at the stats. I was like watching this game with the sound off, and it was you know Texas Oklahoma was still going on, but I don't see him on the box score. That could be something wrong with my app. But no, Skylar Thompson. I mean, the fact that they can go in and steal a win, like they can win games in multiple different ways, and that's uh, that's huge in today's college football. If you can win games with offense and win games with defense, and if one of your groups isn't on, the other unit can pick up the slack. K-State so far has proven the ability to do that. And I'm pretty sure Deuce Vaughn played. I didn't hear anything about him. 14 carries for 43 yards. Yeah, for some reason, uh, the Action Network app I'm looking at just completely ignored him. They don't acknowledge his existence. So Catch for 45 yards. Spartan Spartan Martin also asked, would they let a one-loss K-State in the playoffs? Um, I don't think so. But I think it's a very small percentage, but maybe a little bit higher after your Florida Gators went down to College Station and got beat on Saturday. What's up with that, Spartan Mark? Nobody loses to AM in a big game. Yeah. That one hurts. That one hurts. Give some love to AM. Give some love to Kellen Mons, right? I mean, Aggie fans have been waiting for four years to see a performance like that. And we know he's got that kind of ability, just the consistency has never been there. So, yeah, after uh, AM got crushed by Alabama last week for them to bounce back. And, uh, and beat a damn good Florida team. I mean, I, I picked Florida to win the East before the start of the season. So did I. I felt worse after their Ole Miss win, and they killed Ole Miss. But they gave up like, it was what, 51 to 29. And I'm like, God, this Florida defense was one of the best in the country last year. And they just, they hadn't looked good going into Saturday. And I was like, man, I was feeling, even though they were top five and they were unbeaten going into Saturday, I'm like, dude, I feel a lot worse about this Florida pick because that defense just didn't the same. And they got worked. They got worked by Kellen Mond and Texas A&M at yeah. Kyle Field. By the way, Kyle Trask. Yeah, put, put some points on him a couple yeah. weeks ago in the swamp. That's a great point. If Coach Boone puts points on you, then you're probably not a very good defense. That's yes. all I'm going to say. Hey, I know we're a Big 12 podcast, but my God, we got one game going on this week, okay? And maybe we'll get a little bit more in-depth breakdown for Saturday. But Georgia, Alabama, you can't ignore it, no matter what conference you you cover, right? Mm. I'm I'm picking Alabama in this game just because the mental edge is so real in a football game like this. I, I, it, Georgia mentally, can they get over that hurdle of fighting, finally beating Alabama in a big game? I'm just I like them. I think that they're really good, but I think Bama's really good too at home. Give me give me the tide early on this week by ten. Yeah, I feel that way. And what, a Nick Saban assistant still has not been able to beat Nick Saban. I mean, Kirby Smart's obviously been the closest, and he's been damn close a couple of times, right? Lane just around with it on Saturday for a bit, but yeah. Yeah, once in the conference championship. And you're right. I mean, Alabama's defense, maybe that's just an issue with college football this year. Defenses are struggling. Or maybe, Tyler, maybe SEC defenses aren't what they've been cracked up to be for the last two decades. Maybe it's just the air raid finally its way to the southeastern oh, conference and God. nobody could stop that oh no, you didn't Uh-oh. oh my god i know oh. the vaunted sec defense is what's going on oh they're finally mm-hmm. starting to play offense in that conference and you're seeing it when even nick saban coach defenses are struggling to get stopped so bama's defense doesn't look the same uh yeah gosh stetson bennett didn't play a great game he had a great second half on saturday but he struggled against tennessee in the first half for georgia so I'm leaning Bama, too. I'm with you. I think the mental edge is there. I think Bama's a little bit more talented right now. I'll go with the better coach. I'll go with the better quarterback, and I'll go with the home team on a Monday. Uh, By the way, don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers from American Betting Experts. All you got to do is go to LandryFootball.com. Hopefully, you're already doing that. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. 
Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. All the Iowa State fans are mad at us. Because it uh, took us 53 minutes to get to their game on Saturday. But, hey, nice win, guys. This is a game where you, you just don't lose. Tech's not a good football team. They don't have their starting quarterback. So, good job for not losing at home to a bad football team. Hey, Bowman did play in that game on Saturday. He didn't get the start, but he got plenty of runs. So, I'll give Iowa State a lot of credit. I mean, Tech had a 7 nothing lead in this football game because of a blocked field goal, right? Iowa State had a chip shot field goal. Tech blocked it, returned it 95 yards for a touchdown. So I guess you had a little bit of adversity early on with that mistake for Iowa State, but uh, they bounced back. No problem. Brees Hall might be the best running back in, in college football right now. I mean, he's playing like the best running back in this conference. Two more touchdowns for him, a buck 35 on Saturday. He's been great this year. Brock Purdy doing what he needed to do. His best performance of the season by far, right? He'd struggled a little bit despite Iowa State uh, getting some wins against Oklahoma and against TCU. Didn't look like the same Brock Purdy. He wasn't quite in rhythm. Uh, but he bounced back. He was really, really good on Saturday. And yeah, Iowa State looks good. They took care of business. They did what they were supposed to do. They covered the spread. I'll give them that. You know what they say? Good team, good teams win. Great teams cover. So uh, maybe something special is going on in Ames. And then for Texas Tech, dude, I mean, they're bad. I, uh, how their season has changed. I know Texas isn't that good, but like if they win that game against the Longhorns, then maybe they've got some momentum and and things are on the right track in year two for Matt Wells, but instead they're they're zero and three in league play, and it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot to be optimistic about on the South Plains. Uh, by the way, one more thing on Texas before we get out of here. I, I guess for them, I really worry about. I mean, college football playoff is off the board, okay? Yeah. And a Big Twelve championship, unless they went out, and that's not even a guarantee, is is off the board. You hear, I, I guess. Was Ellinger the only one that sang the eyes of Texas on Saturday? No, I mean, there was that picture that uh, that made its rounds, uh, but it was weird. So there was no bands there, right? Neither the yep. Texas band or the Oklahoma band were in the stands. So they actually played the eyes of Texas just over the loudspeaker at the Cotton Bowl. And it was during the postgame handshakes, right, when guys are daffing each other up and giving some love. So, like, everybody was scattered around the field. Now, a bunch of Texas players were in the locker room. They were off the field, but it wasn't just – Sam Ellinger and a couple of coaches like there were other Longhorn players, not a lot, but other Longhorn players who were just not in that picture who were standing with their horns up during the eyes of Texas. But it's a uh, it's an issue and it's something we're going to be talking about here in Austin throughout the week for sure. Well, and, and that's my concern is what goals are left on the table for Texas now? And does this football team mail it in? Because kids are dumb nowadays. They, they know that their head coach is on the hot seat. So, yeah. Is it, is it already going to unravel? Are they a loss away from it unraveling? Like, what does Texas look like moving forward with not a whole lot of goals left? This is a very splintered program right now. That's a great question, Tyler. I mean, technically, Texas still has a chance to get to the Big 12 championship and win the Big 12. It's not looking likely, of course. We talked about that earlier, but they're not mathematically eliminated yet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, once again, it's, this feels like ridiculous talk after what's happened the last two weeks. But, I mean, last week – Leading up to the OU game after the TCU loss, Sam Ellinger admitted that he sort of called out his players yeah. and questioned the buy-in of some of his players. So it feels like there was already a splintered locker room going into the Oklahoma game. Now you lose that game and you've got the whole eyes of Texas issue after the game and this entire program. I mean, it's not just the locker room. The whole program feels splintered because you've got the fans on each side of the eyes of Texas equation, right? I mean, it's the same thing as we had over the summer where it's like, 
oh, are you cool with players not singing the song? Are you cool with, or are you not cool with them not singing the song? Now you've got to deal with that issue again. And then also, I mean, you've got former players, guys who played in the Charlie Strong era, taking to Twitter like, oh, Jeez, yeah, yeah, you know, give me give me the same attitude you gave Charlie Strong. We want to hear it for Tom Herman. Like, what's the deal? And you've got people comparing Charlie Strong to Tom Herman now, or I guess Tom Herman to Charlie Strong right now, which is ridiculous. And the former players, the strong players, are trying to rewrite history as if they were any good at the University of Texas. But that's where this program is right now, right? I mean, the fan base is splintered. The locker room feels divided. The coaching staff is obviously on the hot seat. There's not a lot going right at UT right now. One last thing I'll ask you before we get out of here. Is there a realistic scenario where Tom Herman doesn't make it through the regular season as a head coach? Oh, man, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, if he loses the next three or four games, maybe. Uh, I don't know what good that would do, firing him midseason. But I guess if, like, you've got players leaving the program and you're completely losing all of your recruits, then maybe you get rid of them to, to try to salvage things a little bit. But Texas has some winnable games on its schedule left. I mean, uh, at now it feels right now it feels like they're going to lose to Iowa State. They're going to lose to K-State. They're going to lose to Oklahoma State. Uh, maybe they win one of those games. But, I mean, if they start losing games to Baylor and to Kansas and to West Virginia, then maybe you see a change made midseason. But – I don't think it's going to happen uh, until after the season if it does happen. You want to get to that last comment right there? I'll let you take that one. What do we have here? Oh, <laughs> no press conference this week because Texas has a bye. So Tom Herman lucks out. He gets to avoid the wrath, the wrath of the Austin media. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure Texas fans aren't too bummed out that there's not going to be a Tom Herman press conference this week. Had some interesting comments after the game on Saturday, of course, and maybe we could talk about those a little bit more on Thursday. But no uh, no, no game week presser for Texas this week because there is no game this week. Well, I lied. One more comment there at the very bottom if we want to hit that before we get out of here. Go. Uh, Texas go after it. They fired him. I, okay, message board talk is message board talk. We all know what that is. I saw, of course, Urban Meyer's name. Dan Mullen's name and Kyle Shanahan's name, even Pete Carroll's name in a screenshot. So Texas fans ain't messing around, dude. One of those names has some smoke, and it's Urban Urban Meyer. Meyer. He's the only one. I mean, Shanahan's not leaving the pros for college. Dan Mullen, I think, is at his dream job at Florida, unless he goes to the league. Pete Carroll, what the hell? Uh, (laughs) That's not happening. Urban Meyer, there's a chance. Long way to go, but – Obviously, he's uh, at the top of mind for a lot of Texas fans right now. Love it. All right, we'll talk to you Thursday, 10 a.m. right here on Twitch. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We are in the... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.